Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, it is Thursday. We are another day closer to the 200th Packers-Bears meeting. It will be Sunday, a noon central time kickoff at Lambeau Field. Obviously a big game for both teams, as we've been talking about all week long. And as usual, after Wednesday's practice, Aaron Rodgers had his weekly media session at his locker. And he made no bones about it, really, Wes. He, in discussing what he termed the quote-unquote deciding factor for this Packers team in terms of whether it's going to make the playoffs, whether it's going to win the division, how far this team will go, he said it will come down to consistency. And by that he means... We've all seen certain levels the Packers have played at at different times this season. Down the stretch and moving forward, it's about finding that level and then staying there for as long as you can because that's been the challenge with this team is to is to get itself to that level and then stay there for an extended period of time. Yeah, we've seen a few games this year out of the 13 to date where the Packers, I think, have achieved that for the most part. Maybe it wasn't the cleanest defensively, but you, you've seen the performances where they've dictated tempo. That's something yeah. I say a lot from the very beginning. Oakland defensively wasn't a gem of a game, but that's kind of the one that jumps out uh, when I think back to that because of, one, how Rodgers played, but, two, just the different contributions they got in that game. This offense, I think one thing we all have to step back and just realize for 2019, this offense is going to operate at its best when you have multiple people contributing. They can win games when it's Aaron Jones. They can win games when it's Aaron Rodgers. And you can win games when Devontae Adams has a big 100-yard performance. But being able to get those things to happen simultaneously during the course of a 60-minute game is going to be what ultimately propels them into the playoffs and to make a championship run. And they've done it. They have that potential in them. And I think if there's anything that the Green Bay Packers can take from these last few weeks as they try to build up a, a playoff resume... yeah is that they're going to have an opportunity here to really put that on display. The Chicago Bears are a different type of beast, though, right? It's not the Giants, and it's not Washington. They're going to have to raise their level another notch when you're playing a team that's kind of coming off a recent hot streak. Yeah. But all that being said, I think it's the perfect opponent for them because what is the one game when you look at the course of this year where Green Bay, while they won, weren't able to find their offensive rhythm? It was that Bears game because of how good they are defensively and because of some of the things the Packers are working through at that time. I think there is a better feel of self in what they are now as opposed to week one. And when you look for areas of growth, while consistency still is the key, I think you've seen it over these last three months in the direction this offense is headed. Yeah, and Rodgers was primarily talking about the offense in his discussion of consistency, but I think, and this is what I wrote about a little bit on our website uh, Wednesday evening, is his words really apply to all three phases of the team because we've seen the special teams have their ups and downs. And yes, it was a great step forward to find a punt return game yeah. against Washington, something the Packers hopefully will have now here the rest of the way. But one game does not mean your issue is entirely fixed, right? You can't just uh, you can't just say that you've got to continue to do it. Again, it's about that word consistency. Defensively, the Packers haven't really returned to the form they were in in September, where really against the Bears, against the Vikings for the most part in Week 2, certainly against the Broncos in Week 3, 
the defensive side of the ball was dictating tempo a lot for the Packers in those games. Against Washington last week, we saw the defense allow less than 200 yards, total yards, until Washington's final drive when it was 20-9 to and they yeah. were in the complete hurry-up mode and they had to score twice within the last couple minutes of the ball game. So again, that's a sign, but that doesn't mean everything is suddenly fixed because you need to be able to stay at that level for an extended period. And, and on the offensive side of the ball, I think it has it has worked for this Packers team to have different guys step up at different times and for this team overall to find different ways to win. But that but we've seen the ups and downs of this as it's gone along through 2019 and the Packers need to you want to still I mean everybody needs to be ready for his opportunity right if you're going to be the guy who's the star of that game if you're going to be the guy who makes the key play at the key time and that's how this team has put together 10 wins in 13 games so far but on the whole you have to find a certain level of play here you've got all your division opponents coming up and then hopefully some more games in January you have to find a certain level of play here and then maintain that standard because at this stage of the season, any significant dip can turn out to be really, really costly. Yeah, it really can. Because even though the Packers sit at ten wins, it was funny. Uh, I was talking with John Kuhn yesterday about this, and you know some of the things that they've worked through in two thousand eight. The first time that he was able to beat the Bears, you know that was a monumental moment for him, and it's ended up being what set him up for that for that run that they got on over the next two years to win a Super Bowl. It all starts, it always starts in the division. And the Packers this year have a chance for the first time since 2011 to go 6-0 in the division since 2011. And this matchup with the Bears represents so much more than just a game, just an NFC North, a black and blue division matchup. There, there's so much at stake here in terms of history and also in terms of being able to feel really good about yourself going into Minnesota the week after. But the game's changed a little bit. <laughs> I look at 2004. I brought this up uh, when I was kind of paging through the, thumbing through the media guide. It was incredible to me that the Packers, they had beaten Minnesota to win the NFC North. They went 10-6 and six that year. Minnesota got into the playoffs, I think, at 8-8 eight and eight mm -hmm. as a wild card. It's remarkable when you go back yeah. and think about it. Now the Packers, yeah. in most years, sitting at 10-3, and three, as, as I said in yesterday's show, Mike McCarthy's old mantra, that's when you start thinking playoffs. This year, that's not the case. Yeah, ten wins may not get you in the playoffs. Right, eleven wins could potentially not get you in the playoffs. Yeah, there are mathematical how... there are mathematical scenarios where teams in the NFC, the Packers included, could finish eleven and five and still be on the outside looking in. Exactly, and the Packers they want to win. The, the intention once you get past this game, win, lose, or draw on Sunday against the Bears, is they want to go into U.S. Bank Stadium and get that victory against the, the Vikings. That's the litmus test. That's the barometer because, by all accounts, the Vikings look to be a playoff team. But with this game against Chicago, if you're able to win this and then you win Detroit in two weeks, your work is cut out for you. You're the division champion. Yep. And depending on how much anarchy happens here in the NFC, you could be something even more than that. I, I look at this matchup in terms of, yes, what it means historically, yes, what it means to this year's team, but also from the standpoint of what's the best way to get hot late in the season yeah. in December when yeah. you look at Aaron Rodgers' numbers. It's to win these NFC North matchups with how this division layout is played out and what better way to do it than a win against the Bears on Sunday. Yeah, and we saw what this exact NFC North gauntlet did for the Packers in 2016, exactly. three years ago, when they were in a different position where they were they were fighting to get into the playoffs, they were looking for help from elsewhere. 
but they had all three division opponents lined up in weeks 15, 16, 17, and they ran it, and they ran it all the way to the NFC Championship game before they before they ran into a buzzsaw in Atlanta. And it's really coincidental, Mike, because that reason I was thumbing through the media guide was because an inbox reader had asked, when was the last time the Packers had finished with back-to-back road games yeah. to finish a season? That is a, that is a challenging aspect to this year's schedule, for and sure. And it was, it was 2004, and for the Packers to be in a position here to have 11 wins entering that stretch – that gives you a little bit more breathing room, depending yeah, no on question. crazy scenarios that could play out. And then, by the way, if you take care of business and you win all three of these things, well, then you get a buy. So the stakes, I wrote this in a Darnell Savage player on the rise that I put together on Thursday. The stakes are extremely high right now. And when the NFL made this adjustment to finish the year against your division, this was the type of you know, drama they hope to create. Yeah, and for no the doubt. Packers to be back in this scenario where these things are meaningful and the Packers are looking to get to the postseason for the first time since 2016, doesn't get much more exciting than that. Yeah, just to clarify for folks too, if you're looking at, okay, how can the Packers win the division if they don't run it and win all three and finish 13-3? and three? A couple of different ways. You can beat the Bears and beat the Lions and get to 12 wins and you'll be the division champs. If the Packers were to happen to lose to the Bears and the Lions, but if they beat the Vikings next week, the Packers are also division champs. Um, with uh, um, because that would be the Vikings' fifth loss. Right. Both teams would finish eleven and five in that potential scenario, and the Packers would have the head-to-head sweep. So there's a couple different ways here. Green Bay can win the division, but you just mentioned uh, the rookie sa- rookie safety, excuse me, Darnell Savage, and you. Uh, later today, or at some point after we're done taping here, a story as uh, this week's player on the rise will be posted on our website with regard to Savage. And what's interesting to me is we we had talked about this at the beginning of the season. I think we're starting to see it come to fruition now. The combination of a rookie, very athletic, very talented, young safety being paired with a veteran who's been through a lot yeah. of battles, been through a lot of wars, so to speak, and and kind of knows the landscape of the NFL. It took a little bit of a break when Savage had to miss a couple games back yeah. in October with an ankle injury, but this uh, this pairing in the back end of the Packers secondary, I think, is is really starting to become what they were hoping. Well, for. and it was tough for the Packers during that time too, because not only were they without Savage, then you also had to take Adrian Amos and move him up to being a box linebacker, playing that hybrid role next yeah. to Blake Martinez. Yeah, he's playing a little and out of position there. I tip my cap to Amos for what he did. He yeah. did not complain about it. He stepped up admirably. But as I mentioned to you back then too, Mike, the Packers didn't pay Adrian Amos the money that they did. They didn't bring him in from Chicago to be an inside linebacker next to Blake Martinez. Right, they right. had to do that out of necessity, trying to bridge the gap to when they got Ibrahim Campbell back after losing Raven Green. But they want him playing in that set, that deep at the back end. They want him being able to rove a little bit, you know, make plays as a strong safety, but not necessarily be a guy that's just lining up right five yards behind the defensive front. And I really, from Amos's perspective, starting there, I thought that Washington game really illustrated his value yeah. to this defense. Yep. He made a clutch interception at the end of the first half that, that ended a, a potential drive there for Washington. He had the sack early off of Blitz. It, he was uncovered. He was Nobody covered his hat, but he still was able to finish it against an athletic quarterback against yeah. Haskins for yeah. a negative yardage got, play. Got the big guy down. 
And even more than that, you just see how smart he is and how he's utilized in the secondary. I mentioned this earlier this week. I'm going to mention it again. So much wants to be made out of Amos playing the Bears. I'm sure Clinton Dix is answering the questions about Green Bay right now. But both of these guys, for what's being asked of them, fit those secondary pictures really well. I don't think there's a winner and a loser in this case. If anything, the Packers got an extra fourth-round pick out of this transaction. Okay, now looking at Savage. Yeah. A young man that came in, he rose up the boards 436 40 time, which is just remarkable for a free safety. He, he ends up being a first-round pick, the first defensive pack off the board. And how many times can you remember, Mike, in all your years covering this team where we've stepped into that first OTA practice and there's a rookie that's starting out there with the defense? It doesn't work like that. Yeah. The story I always say is Eddie Lacy, for as heralded as he was when they drafted him in 2013, he was still behind Alex Green and James Starks and, and the veteran running backs. The Packers thought so much of Savage in, in what his role had to be this year. He was out there from day one. He made two big plays the first month of the season, became the first safety to start the regular season opener since Morgan Burnett in 2010. He has to work through the ankle injury, but I think now these last few weeks you're seeing a guy that's getting comfortable. He's still only 22 years old, and he's making plays at a critical position in this defense. If the Packers' defense, the things that you were outlining, that they need to do to, to return to form here and to make a real presence, this last month of the season and into the postseason, it starts with that safety position. I think you're seeing Amos and, and Savage both being healthy and playing their natural roles, being able to bring that dimension to the secondary. Yeah, I mean, I think we've certainly seen some of the expected ups and downs with a rookie safety, and he did have the injury to deal with the middle of the season and all that. I'd like to also comment, though, on Amos. For those who like to check out my What You Might Have Missed feature with a little bit of the game film, which uh, was posted on the website on Tuesday, going through the defensive film from the Washington game, I was really, really impressed with Amos, and I got a couple of snaps on there. I'm not showing his interception and the unblocked you know, sack on the blitz. I really because, wish you would have done the What You Might Have Missed but, on the unblocked uh, on, sack. Yeah, on that you're like, yeah, did anybody miss that? Like, that was pretty obvious, right? But I put a couple of snaps in there that showed that, uh, that showed both, both against run and pass some of the plays that Amos was yeah. making in that game. His run support against Adrian Peterson in that Washington game was really, really key. Just played disciplined disciplined football where where it was like he wasn't necessarily like oh I've got to rush up and make the tackle right. there were a couple of instances he had to do that but sometimes it was I need to rush up and get into the right spot to funnel him to funnel the running back back to where the the pursuit is to bring him down and his job was to make sure Peterson couldn't bounce outside yep. and get to the sideline things like that he also had another play where he chased down um chased down a pass play the he he came up to try to to potentially take the tight end the tight end leaked into the flat Kyler Facker went with him there was an over route coming from coming behind Amos he just turned his back and sprinted over to the sideline yeah. and for folks who remember that was the pass that basically hit him in the back of the head yep. but he beat the receiver to the spot in in that instance and that's why that's why he was there to make the play so I was just really really impressed with his game and obviously we all remember that he was the hero in Chicago in week one with the interception in the end zone in the fourth quarter, but he's a guy who continues to play down this whole thing about playing against his former yeah. team and, and all that kind of stuff. That's not what it's about for him, especially here in week 15. This is about where this Packers team is potentially headed. I don't know if Adrian has ever met Morgan Burnett, 
But I mean, like, there's a <laughs> lot of similarities between those two. And I always, I got along really well with Morgan. So maybe that's why I, I really like what Amos yeah. brings because he's not a demonstrative person. He's very even keel. Yeah. And he'll respectfully answer your question. He's just, he doesn't buy into that. And it's not because he doesn't want to create headlines. He legitimately doesn't care. He's a Green Bay Packer <laughs> yeah. now. And if anything, yeah. we're, we've already gone through what he knew he was going to have to go through that week one. Why would that still be a conversation now? Yeah. I mean, are we just going to sit here and just keep asking guys about their, you know, should we ask some questions about Zadarius Smith? in Baltimore like next year I mean yeah it is what it is but right in terms of his impact I think it, it needs to be put out there too that Eddie Jackson had a terrible injury coming out of Alabama but they asked Amos to be the compliment to him this rookie that was you know wasn't able to do a lot of the stuff during the offseason program was not able to do stuff during the pre-draft process they asked him to partner with this kid and and you see Jackson has kind of flourished into an all-pro player yeah and I think when you look at the intangibles there's a lot of those same parallels that can be drawn with Darnell Savage and being able to get on a run with two safeties at the same position uh, being able to play off each other that's when these secondaries have been at their best I mean yeah the Packers lost Morgan Burnett to an ACL in 2010 and that forced them to have to pivot to Charlie Pepper, but then you had Collins and Pepper kind of working off each other. Yep. When you get two guys that can play their natural spots and, and be able to understand their responsibilities together, that's going to be what helps you out on those deep balls, on those explosive plays. And I love that you had illustrated that play that, that Amos had made because those are the somewhat off-script type things that a safety, a free safety, a strong safety, they just have to be accountable for. You see that a guy is covered, okay, go find work. Where can you make yourself useful? Yep. It's on the trick that they're trying to pull behind you with the with the out routes. So, yeah, it's it's on, it's 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 making those it's making those reactions. I'm sure part of it was film study that he he recognized he recognized in the proper moment where the ball was potentially going to go, and so uh, so he got himself there. And and that those are the kinds of things that veterans can do and can help teach a young guy like Savage so that he gets yeah. to that level as well. Yeah, and, and the other thing is too that I don't think you can discount about this, and we'll be able to discuss this all off season. I imagine it's going to be a huge storyline when we go to the combine and maybe even through to the owners' meetings. How healthy this team has been this year, Matt Lafleur. It keeps he keeps cushioning all that by saying you have to be fortunate and lucky, and there is truth to that. Yeah, there's just strange things that happen. Guys yeah. get hurt, and you have to play through it. But the thing that I think is underrated about all this is that again on Wednesday's practice, practice it was modified, but you had all 53 guys out there last week. They had all 53 guys out there. When these guys can work like that, especially in this defense. I don't think it is any type of you know coincidence that you've seen the defense, relatively speaking, have two strong performances back-to-back. Out of any particular phase or unit that probably needed to be able to get some confidence back, it's Mike Pettin's team. Yeah. And being able to you know have everybody out there and everybody participating. Tremont Williams has been a veteran rest guy, but for the most part, they've been able to just kind of work with those pieces together. That goes a long way. Yeah, and the other thing I wanted to mention also with the defense when I mentioned Washington's total yards under 200 until the final drive last week, only really two explosive plays yeah. allowed until that final drive late in the fourth quarter. Darius Geis had a 23-yard run. They hit a 30-yard pass over the middle on a uh, on a third and long situation. Otherwise, the gains, the the progress Washington was make was was in much smaller chunks. It was kept more manageable. I think that's also a very good sign for this defense going forward. But as I said, one game doesn't mean that your issue is fixed. So before we go here, Wes, I want I started the show by saying it's the 200th Packers-Bears yeah. game coming up this Sunday. 
Do you have a specific Packers Bears rivalry memory from your youth? I mean, before we got into all this, like sports oh, that's a great question, and all that. Uh, is is there one? Is there one from your youth that sticks out? Uh, you know which one always I kind of remember. Uh, I think it was '01, right when they went thirteen and three under Dick Duran. Yes, and Jim Miller was the quarterback. Right. Uh, right. Jim like, Jim Miller and Shane Matthews. I yeah, think, was, Shane Matthews was the started other. at the beginning, and then it became Miller. And I think this was mostly because Cade McNown really didn't work out for them. Yeah. And Miller, the journeyman Jim Miller, ends up being their starter. If I remember correctly, uh, the Bears went thirteen and three that year, and I believe the Packers handed them their two losses. Right, two of those losses. Two of those three losses, yes, were to Green Bay. That, and, is, that is correct. And that was kind of always fun for me. Uh, <laughs> I, I, as a kid, I, I just thought that was really cool because it's like even when the Bears like had their good year, uh, the Packers still ended up getting the better of them that season. Uh, yeah. it was a great defense, uh, much like what they had in two thousand six. Uh, very defensive heavy team. Um, that's one that stands out to me. I remember there was some some solid performances that Edgar Bennett had against the Bears when I was really young. Um, but yeah, those are those are the ones like you ask me a question like that. That's the first thing that pops yeah. off on my mind. Well, I'll I'll tell a story, and I've mentioned this story in Insider Inbox. Actually, I've got two stories for you if you got some time. Yeah, here, I think but, we do. Um, I've told this story in Insider Inbox before when I was a kid. 1984 was the first year the Chicago Bears held their training camp in Platteville in my hometown. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'd never been to an NFL game in my life. My father that year for Christmas got um, got us tickets to Packers-Bears at Soldier Field. There was like a fan bus type thing leaving from our hometown to go to Chicago. How long does it take to, to get see. from Platteville to Chicago? Back then it was about a four-hour oh, four wow. okay. car ride. Yeah, I was just yeah. curious. Huh? So this and this is a this is a late December game, Packers Bears at Soldier Field. Lynn Dickey was injured. Whoever the Bears starting quarterback was at the time was injured. This was Rich Campbell against Greg Landry, oh, okay, man. at quarterback. Marky and actually, matchup. and Landry actually gets hurt in the game, and Walter Payton plays quarterback for a couple of series. It was before the Wildcat had ever been invented. Yeah. Walter Payton's taking shotgun snaps, trying to throw. He actually threw an interception at the end of the first half. <laughs> the Packers end up winning the game on essentially a Hail Mary type of pass from Rich Campbell to Phillip in the final minute the Packers pull it out the Bears ended up going to the playoffs that year the Packers weren't going anywhere but it was definitely a feather in the cap of the Packers to knock off the Bears late in the season that's the first NFL game I ever attended in my life I was 12 years old at the time and I'll never forget it the other story I want to tell you quickly my first year in the newspaper business 1995 I'm at the Wausau Daily Herald it's the fall of 95 I had just gotten out of school and it was November, and I'm working Saturday night. We're putting putting together the sports pages for the Sunday morning paper and everything, working late, make deadline. The presses start running and everything. The next day, that, that Sunday, the Packers were hosting the Bears, and both teams were you know right in the hunt. Yeah. You know, it was mid-November at that time. And our city editor just comes walking by my desk as he's about to walk out of the building after the end of the long night of work. He's like, what are you doing tomorrow? I'm like, nothing. I got the day off. And he drops two tickets to Lambeau Field on oh, my desk nice. for the Packers-Bears game. In, uh, and, I, and one of my best friends was actually coming up to visit. We were going out for drinks when I got off of work. So we get to the bar and I slap the tickets down in front of him and go, look where we're going tomorrow, pal. You know, And, and, yeah. so we, and that ends up being 
the Brett Favre ankle game, game. with the five touchdown passes, sure. 35 to 28. The Packers end up beating the Bears. Eric Kramer actually converted like a Hail Mary pass at yeah. the end of the first half. And it was just a great, great football game. And, uh, and you know, the roar of the crowd when Favre came out because he hadn't right. practiced all week and nobody knew if he was going to play. I ended up being at that game in the stands at Lambeau Field by an absolute stroke of luck. That's and, hilarious. And, uh, yeah, and it's, it goes down as one of the great Packers-Bears games of all time because of Favre throwing the five touchdowns on the bad ankle with the big wrap on it and everything. And I was fortunate enough to be there. So those are my Packers-Bears memories as we get set for game number 200 on Sunday. And I want to just throw in one of mine that was from my actual work experience. I have to do a shout-out to the 2013 game and the Rodgers to Cobb catch because the Soldier Field press box is good for nothing. It is a terrible, terrible view of a game. It's a terrible location, yes. And if it wasn't for the location, was it bad enough? They got, like, these weird, like, white, like, things that are on there that, like, block certain parts. Oh, yeah, the whole... The whole window frame setup and everything like that. I mean, for, forget about. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just, like trying it's, to cover a game out of your grandmother's house. But yeah, it's a terrible view. All that being said, it actually was a great view for the Randall Cobb play. It was. And it was. It, watching, was com- it was coming right at us. And watching that develop the way it did, mm-hmm. there aren't too many moments. <laughs> Detroit and fifteen is certainly one of them. There aren't too many moments that you actually remember. I remember from just watching the game visibly. But that's one of them because it's just it was incredible watching that develop and understanding what had just happened, how there would yeah. been that breakdown in coverage, and Rogers just having that laser focus on Cobb there, being able to extend that play. It was one of those that's so easy that you could drop it right, yeah. and Cobb comes through and it comes right at us. Well, and I don't know if you remember, I don't know if your ears recall this, but our good friend Jason Wildy, who's been covering the yeah. Packers for a long time, I will never forget because he was. I was in the second row of the press box. Jason Wildy is in front of me at that particular time. And before Rodgers throws the ball, all I hear is Wildy's voice go, he's wide open. Yep. You know, and yep. that's before anybody on TV could see it because on right. television you don't see that Cobb is wide open until the ball is coming. And uh, and I just remember that because the press box was completely quiet. Yeah. And, of course, you know, everybody's supposed to be professional, and we are. And uh, and it was, it was just, just funny. Like it was stunned. it was yeah, yeah. It was it was just this sort of stunned small outburst. Like he's wide open, and oh, it was like everybody in the press box heard it. And then of course the ball gets caught in the touchdown, and the Packers go to the playoffs. So yeah, there there are certainly memories from being in press boxes as well as sitting in the. Stands. And that one's just one that's always going to be seared on my brain, just because of how terrible <laughs> it usually is trying to watch a game there. Yeah. And in that particular instance, it was yeah, just that, it a, was absolutely perfect. Yeah, we had a great view of that play. Well, we've gone a little bit over time today, but we will sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. Subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services, and check out the Packers YouTube channel for all kinds of great video content. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thanks for tuning in everybody. See you next time.